happy September. I warned you last week I was going to say that. So there it is, and I'm sorry. Wasn't that worship awesome? Man, fiddle and an upright bass and all the... That was good. I liked that. Um, well, welcome to fall. I know it's not technically fall. I know some of you are prepared to tell me it's not fall yet. Totally fall. School starts in two days. Okay, just thought there'd be more parents out here than there is right now. Uh, school is a sign of fall. Tim Hortons is selling pumpkin spice everything. That's another sign of fall, and the temperatures are getting cooler. It's not plus 38 right now, which is, woo! That means it's almost time for plaid flannel. Yeah. Woo! Praise him. Um, the thing that I am most excited for this fall, though, is all of the awesome stuff that's going to be happening right here at Crosspoint. And uh, I am really excited to kind of get into the fall. And, and so here's just a few things about the fall. One, two weeks from this weekend is really kind of when we're kicking things off for the fall, which means that that is when Saturday night church starts again. Okay, so two weeks from last night, uh, we are back to Saturday services, 6 o'clock. Uh, we love Saturday night church, and it uh, went really, really well last year. And so if you were a Saturday nighter, that is good news for you, and uh, get the word out and tell some people. Uh, we're also the kind of kicking off with Saturday that whole weekend. We're getting into a brand new series that we are calling Imagine Again. And this is really going to be a, a vision series for us that's going to go for about five weeks or so. And the point of this series is that I, I want to get us dreaming and imagining and hoping and praying for the future of Crosspoint and, and obviously for your own kind of walk with Christ as well. And, and I know that we all know how to daydream. Right? You have all daydreamed before. So we usually just daydream crazy things. Right? Like you daydream what you would do if you had millions of dollars show up today at your doorstep. You'd be like, all right, here's what my house would look like. You know what car you'd be driving. You know where in the world you'd be traveling because you've dreamed about it before. Some of you daydream about what you would do if you had superpowers. Right? You've been there. Admit it. Like if you could fly, you just fly all over that road construction that's happening right now, just waving at everyone. <laughs> It'd be awesome. Some of you daydream about how you would quit your job spectacularly. You'd say that thing to your boss finally, or you'd say that thing to that person or whatever it is. You, you have daydreamed about the things that you would do if finances weren't an option, if health wasn't an option, if logistics wasn't an option. You have dreamt about that kind of stuff. But see, that's how I want us to pray and dream and imagine for the church. I want us to get us dreaming and imagining and praying at that level. And so this series is an invitation for us to start doing that. I want us to dream about what, what the church could look like if we didn't have all of the boundaries and the limitations and the obstacles that we think always get in the way. What would you dream for Crosspoint Church if finances weren't an option? Where would we go and what would we do? You know, if we knew we wouldn't fail, what would we do next for the kingdom of God? If we weren't limited by all of the things, the calendars and schedules and whatever, if we just knew that we could go and do whatever that is, what would that be? I want us to dream about that and pray about that. When was the last time you daydreamed about your faith? You know, we daydream about lots of things, but when was the last time you really stopped and imagined, what could I do for the kingdom? What, is, what does Jesus want to do in my life and what can I do for him? If I knew I wouldn't fail, what would it be? If money wasn't an option, 
what would it be? And so I want to get us there in dreaming and praying about things that, that usually we would assume, well, they're outside the realm of possibility. We could never do that or go there. But isn't that where God wants you to operate? Outside of the realm of possibility? That's what makes it faith. I, I, don't, I don't want a faith that only believes in what's realistic. Is that really faith? So I want us imagining and dreaming and praying for things that, well, for the, to partner with the God who says, I can do more than you could immeasurably dream, ask, or imagine. That's the God we serve, right? So let's see what he wants us to do and what he wants to say to us and where he's leading us. Because I think there have been seasons in your life maybe where you were excited about your faith, you were fired up, and you're like, I'm going to do all this stuff for Jesus and the kingdom. It's going to be so good. And then life got in the way, and you got busy, and bills piled up, and you're like, oh, we'll get to that someday. I want you to imagine again what it means to follow Jesus without those barriers. And maybe there have been seasons in the church where we are fired up. Let's go do this. Let's go take new ground. Woo! Maybe in recent years, maybe 50 years ago, whatever it was, but, but for whatever reason, we, we got stuck or we got complacent or we got satisfied or we got busy. And I want to invite us again to let's imagine what Jesus really wants to do through Crosspoint for the city of Fredericton and beyond. So that's where we're going to be for the next five weeks or so during that series. And I'm really excited about it and praying for it, and I hope that you guys show up for that. It's coming in two weeks. Uh, we made a movie to kind of help promote this. Uh, it'll be online later this afternoon so that you can share it and watch it and whatever else. But here is Imagine Again. We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting through a fog, peering through a mist. It won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. Behind us are the days when we settle for what's always been done. We're blazing a new path, taking new territory, dreaming new dreams for the good of the city and the hope of the world, it's time to imagine again. So I'm excited about that. That's two weeks from this weekend. Now, the other awesome thing happening this fall is that we are launching our South Campus location. That is happening seven weeks from today. That's crazy. That's awesome. So seven weeks from today, we are going to be having church over at the movie theaters on the south side, and we are excited about that. And, and I'll tell you what, this is all about our vision. We're doing this because we believe this is what God has asked us to do. We're doing this because we believe it increases our uh, ability to declare the name of Jesus in a greater way than we ever have before across the city of Fredericton. 
We're doing this because we believe that there are more and more and more people who need to hear about Jesus, and, and maybe they won't or can't or don't come here, but they will go there. So this is, this is all about vision. This is all about reaching people for Jesus. And so to get that off the ground, we have been raising money for this. We, in essence, what we're doing is planting a church on the south side. And so that requires a little bit of money. We're about halfway there to our, our rec- what we're kind of shooting for. Uh, where we're at right now is simply this. If 150 people give $150, we're done and we're ready. And it's actually, it would be over and above what we need. And so we got seven more weeks, and I believe that we can do it, but this is just an easy way to say, oh, I can give 150. So if that is you, these envelopes are at the hello desk. We'd love for you to take one. You can fill it in. You can use debit or cash or whatever you want to do. Uh, but over the course of the next month and a half or so, we would love 150 people to give $150. And I know technically you're giving to a rental fee and a sound system, but what you're really giving to is the vision to see more and more people in our city know Jesus. So think about that when you're putting money in here. You're not really helping us pay bills. What we're really doing is declaring his name. And uh, so we're excited about that. All right. Well, today we wrap up our Life Hack series. And uh, we've been in this thing for the, the length of the summer, talking about all these really practical things that you can do to kind of go deeper in your walk with Jesus. And some of it's been journaling. Some of it's been find accountability. Some of it's been just getting into the Word. Today, I want to talk about something that, that's really easy to do in theory, but a lot harder to do in practice. I want to talk about what it means to be silent. I want to talk about quiet, which, which is funny because how often is your life quiet? How often do you think, man, I've had way too much silence? probably pretty rare, I would guess, for most of you. And so to practice, we're just going to be silent right now for like 10 seconds. And go. Not bad. Not bad. Usually, I was expecting like a phone to go off or a baby to scream those things only happen when I'm talking, so that's why they didn't happen. Um, if I had ordination service this year at Beulah, if you know what I'm talking about, big, powerful, awesome service every year uh, and in a big room, and it was full, and, and the pastor was preaching, and he said one of those lines where you just kind of give it a pause to let it sink in, and so he just said this thing, and everything was quiet, and then someone's phone goes off, but it wasn't just a ring, it was the Star Wars theme song. It was fantastic, except for him. It was not fantastic. Right? Even when we're trying to be quiet, oftentimes it's, it's still not quiet. Even when we're looking for that kind of peace, silence is hard because silence is rare. We, we don't live in a quiet world. It is loud and noisy and chaotic all the time. Right? You wake up in the morning, your alarm goes off, and, goes, eh, 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 and you're, you're up and you're ready, and you're trying to get kids ready, and this week it's going to be getting lunches and packing book bags. we got to get out the door. Come on, let's go. And you're hopping into the car, and you go into the drop-off zone, and that is an illustration in and of itself, but it is not quiet because no one knows how to use the drop-off zone at school. 
And then you get out of the van, get out of the car, go, and you go to work, and work is just a revolving door of people and emails and phone calls and more people and just chaos, and finally that comes to an end, and you get in the car, and, and you're going to go home, you got to get your kids, you're going to make supper, and your animals want supper, and they're meowing, and they're barking, and they're doing whatever it is they're doing. There's a TV on somewhere that nobody's watching, but it is cranked to high heaven. Your kids are, music is on in every room, and, and finally it's supper, and everyone comes, and it's chaos, and it's loud, and, and then finally we're, we're trying to clean up and run errands and go to a sports thing and get back and get into bed, and you finally crawl into bed, and you're like, ah, no you don't, you look at your phone, and you read through a few more things, and you check your email, because you get work coming in just a few hours. Is that not your life? It is loud and chaos, it is not quiet, it is not peaceful, it is probably not super relaxing. We live in a world where the noise is constant, and unless you make a deliberate effort for it not to be, it won't stop for you. Like, it it won't think, oh, we're being really loud right now, we should kind of quiet down. It's not going to do that. It's busy, it's, it's loud, there's TV, there's phones, there's podcasts, there's music, it's everywhere you go. It's almost countercultural to be quiet. People would be like, why are you being quiet right now? Like, quiet is awkward. Quiet's hard. How many of you were dying during that, like, 10 or 12 seconds that we just did, right? Like, some of you can't handle it, right? You're going to hate this. So there are a number of problems that we run into when we don't turn off the noise. But the main one I want to talk about today is that how are you going to get to know God better if you can't quiet down enough to listen to him? I want us to quiet down and listen. How can you listen if your life is always noisy? Where are you finding the time? So silence and quiet and Sabbath and drawing away, these things are spiritual disciplines. Right? There's value in doing this. And so that's what I want to talk about today. We're going to be in the Old Testament uh, the book of First Kings. There's no shame in using your index. Just go find out what page it's on. First Kings, and uh, we're gonna be there in a bit. But here's the background. This is a story about Elijah, and Elijah is most famous probably for a battle that happens on Mount Carmel. And and he goes up onto this mountain, and he's about to have a showdown with these hundreds of other prophets of other gods of Baal. And and basically the competition is, let's see whose God can show up and, and bring fire to like destroy this altar. And so the prophets of Baal, they are trying, they are yelling, they're chanting, they're screaming, beating themselves up, making themselves bleed, whatever they can to get their God to show up. And he just does not show up. He is just not around that day. And Elijah actually gets pretty sarcastic with him. He's like, well, maybe he had to go to the washroom. Maybe he stepped out having a little nap, right? Like, he, he says those things, and it's awesome. But then when it's Elijah's turn to show up, and say, all right, God, do your thing. God shows up, and it is dramatic and powerful and awesome, and fire comes down from heaven, just obliterates this altar and and everything that's a part of it, and everyone knows in that moment, like, that was God. The one true God showed up, and it's this awesome story, but we usually don't read the last, like, line or two of it, because how the story really ends is that Elijah looks at the 850 prophets and says, you guys should come with me, and they do, and he kills them all just murders them all dead, 850 of them. And that's kind of how the story ends. And here's, it's funny how this works. Sometimes when you kill 850 people, there are other people who get mad at you. So, so weird how that happens. And so 
kind of one of the main overseers of this group of prophets was just this terrible, awful, awful wicked woman. Her name was Jezebel. And, and she is furious, and she kind of threatens Elijah and says, I'm going to do to you what you did to my prophets. And so Elijah, obviously this kind of mighty prophet of the Lord, just had this huge miraculous experience. He runs away for his life and cries under a tree. That's what Elijah does. And, and he finds himself under this tree, and it's there that he tells the Lord, you know what, God, I think I'd like to die now. I said, I'm done. I'm really like, check please, Lord, we're all done here. And, and he just wants to give up. He, he's ready to be done. Have you ever been there before? Not like literally maybe that, but where you're just like, I'm done. It's like, pff, check please. See, I, I find that those periods in your life usually don't happen after a really calm, peaceful moment of silence. No, those periods of time happen for you after it's been busy, loud, noisy, and chaotic. That's when you find yourself overwhelmed and ready to give up. And that's where Elijah finds himself. But an angel shows up and says, no, it's not your time yet. And he makes him some food and says, go to Mount Sinai and meet with the Lord there. And so he does, and it's in a cave in this mountain that we get to our passage today. It's 1 Kings 19, starting in verse 9. It says, there he came to a cave where he spent the night. And Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? See, sometimes in order to hear the voice of the Lord, you have to quiet down. Right? And I'll rephrase that. Most of the time, when you want to hear the voice of the Lord, you have to quiet down, right? And it's only then that we're probably going to hear what it is that we need to hear. And it's often when we don't quiet down that we feel overwhelmed and ready to give up. It's often when it's been noisy way too long and way too constantly that, that we're feeling like we're done. So I want to talk about this passage. Because see, when we talk about hearing the voice of the Lord or when you, you imagine the voice of the Lord speaking, a lot of times people assume, oh, it's a, a big booming voice, like the voice of the Lord spoke, right? Or on movies or on TV, that's how he speaks with this megaphone voice. It's unmistakable, undeniable. It's just everything's shaking because God is speaking, which he can speak like that, absolutely. But how often has that been your experience? How often has that been almost everybody's experience? I'm not saying he doesn't do that, but I'm saying most times that's not how he speaks. Most times that's not what we should be watching and waiting for. And, and sometimes when we want to hear from the Lord, we're like, all right, just say something. Speak loudly. I want to hear this. And if he doesn't speak, we're like, all right, well, just send me a sign. Give me some thunder and lightning. Do something crazy and dramatic so I know that I'm hearing from you right now. And in, he often just doesn't do that. That's not his regular pattern. 
And in fact, he does the exact opposite in this passage. There's this crazy, you know, windstorm and the rocks are blowing and everything's kind of going all over the place. And, and there's an earthquake and everything's shaking and there's a massive fire and he's not, like, have you ever been close to a huge fire? Like, it's a wall of sound and crackling. He's not in that. See, he doesn't show up in all of the dramatic ways that, that we would expect him to show up. In fact, you know, he, he wasn't in any of those. God wasn't in Earth, Wind, or Fire or any other band. <laughs> Sorry. Notice for a minute, all of those things were literally what he just experienced on Mount Carmel. Right, that was his experience there. They, they did walk up a mountain of earth, and then they put all the stones on an altar, and there was wind, and there was fire, and it was crazy. God's like, yeah, I did that. I was there once, but how many times in the Bible does he do that? One. He's saying, this is not my normal experience. I'm not usually in that stuff. And so I would encourage you in the same way, don't always assume or expect to hear from the Lord in some booming, audible, super evident, undeniable way. That's not his normal way of speaking to people. In fact, there's a select times in the Bible where he will. He shows up in a whirlwind or he shows up in an earthquake. You could probably count them on one hand, but how many times in the Bible do you read things like, and then the Lord said, and then the Lord told, and then God spoke too, and it's not crazy loud or dramatic or flashy. Right, we don't even read those lines. We gloss over those lines and get to what the Lord was saying. But the fact is, he spoke to his people so many times, but those people were walking with him and in communion with him and listening with him. They had a relationship with him. They, they weren't begging for a, a big sign all of the time. And every now and then, he would have to show up in a, in a really obvious way for what, like, Moses, are you paying attention? Mo oh, I guess we're going to have to light a tree on fire, right? Like, he would do that sometimes. But more often than not, that's not how he spoke. So God speaking isn't rare. Just God speaking in that way is rare. So don't look for that to be your regular everyday occurrence with God. And I, I would bet that some of you have had that experience in your life where you were super frustrated. God, why aren't you speaking to me? Why can't I hear you? Where are you? Would you just say something to me? The problem usually isn't with God. God's pretty chatty. He talks quite a bit in the Bible. See, the problem's usually not with him. The problem is with us and that we're not taking the time to listen, that we're not turning down the volume so that we can hear him better. The problem's not usually him. It's us living these consistently noisy lives, right? Like, if you want to hear a whisper, you have to quiet down. That's how a whisper works, unless you know one of those people who whispers super loud. They're like, hey, I want to tell you a secret. Like, are you microphoned right now? Like, that's, that's not how you whisper. Um, we were in line for groceries. This is a few years ago now. Our kids were younger. And there was a, like a larger man in line. And he had a big beard. And one of our kids was like, he looks like Santa. Right. So when you look at the guy, you're like, kids, right. <laughs> don't, don't kill me. Don't, don't kill me. Usually, if you want to hear a whisper, you've got to strain to hear it. You've got to lean in. You've got to quiet things down so that you can hear someone whispering. 
right? Or, in other words, if you want to hear somebody whisper, you've got to be close to them. You've got to be close to them, right? Like, it, you, you get right in there, and you, it's almost an intimate thing. Like, you wouldn't want a stranger whispering in your ear, correct? Right, like if someone you didn't know was like, hey, come here, and they leaned right in, you'd be like, no, we're not friends. You, you don't get to get that close to me. Like, a whisper is something that happens between people who are close and they have a relationship. And so what God is kind of telling Elijah here is if you want to hear me speak, you've got to get closer. You've got to draw in. You, you've got to kind of turn out all the noise that's happened, the chaos that your life has been, and you've got to take some time and listen to me. God doesn't want a long-distance relationship. He does not want to have to yell at you from across the room. He wants you to be close enough that you can hear him in a whisper. And so you're probably going to have to turn down the volume. You've got to turn off the noise. Is your life quiet enough to hear God whisper to you? And notice God asks him this question. He kind of, when he shows up at the mountain, God says something to him, but then all this crazy stuff has to happen, and then God asks him again, why are you here? As if to say, like, the first time you weren't paying attention to me. The first time you weren't listening to me, so let me get your attention. Why don't we, all the loud stuff, let's put that away, and I'll show up in a whisper, and now that you're focused and quiet enough, I'm going to actually say what I need to say to you. Again, the issue isn't with God, it's with Elijah, and he's going to sit still in the quiet long enough to hear the Lord speak to him. And we're given the same commandment in the Bible. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still, and then you'll know that I am God. Be still, he says, and then I'm actually going to be able to, to say what I need to say to you. But, but if you're not still, if you're busy, if you're constantly going, then you're not really going to be hearing me. Even if I am speaking to you, you're going to miss it. It's be still and you'll know that I am God. Be still, and, and, and I'll be able to, to pour into you like that. So if your desire is to walk more closely with Jesus, then you need to build in times of silence in your life so that you can actually hear him. In fact, it's a pretty clear pattern through Scripture. Jesus did this all the time. After he did something miraculous, or he had a huge crowd of people around him, something awesome just happened, and everyone would be like, oh, this guy's amazing, tell us more. He'd be like, see ya. And he would just leave. The Bible says that he would just withdraw himself and be alone to be in prayer. Right? And, and there's a part of us that inside we're like, that's a little selfish. Right? These people needed Jesus. There, there was more people to be healed, more people that needed to be fed, more people that wanted to hear teaching, and he just left. But see, Jesus understood that if he's going to be one with the Father, he needed to be with the Father. And I've got to get away where it's quiet. I've got to go be still so that I can hear the Lord. Right? And in fact, there, there are times, you know you're in a good relationship with someone when you can be quiet together and it's not awkward. Right? Right? When, when you can sit on the couch together for an hour or two and no one has said anything, but that's not weird, then you're in a good relationship with that person. If you can drive in the car for an hour and no one has talked, but that's okay, that's like when you're with people you don't know and it's uncomfortable and it's quiet, everyone's like, should I say something? What should I ask right now? This is so weird, right? But when you're with someone that you're close to, silence is okay. Silence is actually a sign that, that you're with someone 
and, and there's a relationship there that you could hear them if they did whisper to you. It's a sign of a good relationship. And God's inviting us to be a part of that. I want you to be still with me. I want you to get away and withdraw from the noise. Even though it seems pressing, even though it seems important, this is more important. Right? I want to say that again. Sometimes silence with God is more important than the busyness of life. Whether, however important you think it is, however necessary you think it is, silence with God is still necessary and important. And so, I want to talk about that, and I want to challenge us in that today. Um, So here's a few practical challenges. First of all, I want to encourage you to turn off the noise. Right, this is a practical challenge. Maybe this is only a few days. Maybe this is for a week or maybe for a month. But I want you to find some of the sources of noise in your life, and I want you to turn them off for a while. Maybe for you it's TV. Maybe you just need to have a TV fast for a whole week, and you're unplugging it, or you're not watching Netflix or whatever it is, and you're just like, I'm not going to have that noise. Most of you have your TV on, and you don't even watch it. It's just background noise. Turn it off. And not only will it be quieter, but you probably will have more time so that you can spend it in silence. Um, This is actually such uh, an important idea. There is a major TV broadcaster in the UK called ITV. This is as of last week. Uh, They announced that a a bunch of their channels on Saturday mornings are going to black out all of their TV programming so that you just go do something. Uh, Can you imagine? It's Saturday morning, you sit in front of the TV, and this is a major broadcaster, just black for an hour or two. You know when the TV companies are telling you, stop watching TV, that we've got a problem. We've kind of reached a critical point. And and so I I challenge you to do that. Turn off the TV for a few days or a week. It'll still be there when you come back. It still loves you. You're not fighting. Uh, Maybe for some of you it's not TV. Maybe for some of you it's social media. That social media is loud. It is a constant source of noise that is repeatedly updating and always refreshing. And maybe you need to take a break from social media. And and when I say take a break, I mean like delete the apps. Right? Don't say, oh, I just won't go to, you'll go to them. Delete them off your phone just for a few days, maybe a week. Maybe it's maybe it's Facebook, right? Like I've I do this constantly with Facebook. A bunch of, it is the noisiest. Facebook is the noisiest. And so every now and then, you just take a few days and you deactivate. Like, don't just say you're not going to, no, deactivate entirely. Delete the app, turn off the noise, find some silence and spend it with God. It's going to be good for you. Maybe for some of you, it's music. It's just... Everywhere you go, there's music on. You're driving in the car, there's music. You're walking somewhere, it's headphones in. You're going for a run, there's music. It's just you can't be in the silence. Just turn your music off for a while. Right, again, none of this is hard in theory. It's just really hard in practice to be disciplined enough to find the quiet. So this week, eliminate some noise in your life. That going back to school does not can't. Can't, right? You can't. (laughs) I'm just not going to go back to school. It's too noisy. No. Not going to go to work, too noisy. No, you kind of have to do those things. But find something that you can shut off and shut down. But here's the second part, right? That's part one. Part two is now you have to listen. 
right? It's not enough to just make your life quieter. It's what you're doing with that quiet that's important. So take some time to try and listen to God. For some of you, this might be the first time you've ever done this. Maybe it's, it's seriously as practical as saying, I will set a five-minute timer, and I will try and sit in silence for five minutes, and I'm just going to listen. Don't do all the talking. Don't do all the, like, prayer is communication. How often is it one-sided for you? Let him speak. Give him five minutes. Maybe set it for ten minutes and just see what he has to say. Sometimes he'll speak to you with a verse. Sometimes he'll speak to you in the quiet. Sometimes he won't do any talking at all, but remember, sometimes it's enough to just be in the quiet with someone that you love. And that's still going to be good time where you're growing in the Lord. And so I encourage you to do this, but don't just do it once. Don't just do it this week and say, all right, oh, Mark spoke on it. I did it. I'll wait till next year when we talk about it again. Like, build this into your life. You have got to find times in your life when you can withdraw from the noise and say, all right, we're going to be quiet before the Lord for a while. And we're just going to see what he has to say to us. Because listen, if you don't, you're going to end up like Elijah, overwhelmed and stressed out and done. That's what happens if you don't turn off the noise. And so I invite us to all do what Psalm 46 says, and let's be still and know that he is God. Maybe some of you are here, you don't know Jesus, you've never made a decision to follow him. This is a great way for you to just kind of stick your foot in the water and be like, are you really there? You really? Listen to him. Maybe he'll reveal himself to you. Maybe he's got something to say to you today. So let's be quiet before the Lord this week. Can we do that? I think we can do it. I expect to see none of you on Facebook this week. So we're just going to take some time right now to be quiet before the Lord, and uh, we're going to close with a song from the band.